Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Everybody and welcome to the Four Corners podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, good, good, Shad. Um, how should I answer that? Because I just watched this <laughs> shitty show and I'm not thrilled. <laughs> well, um, we'll get to it. We want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We'll take care of our shoutouts right here at the beginning. The first one. We'll go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, to save 10% off your order. Um, sure, they're going to have more holiday specials come along. They've got new shirts up. <clears throat> Check them out. The other uh, shout-out we have is... It's unfortunately true that uh, the folks in eastern Kentucky that are trying to recover are you know the the help that they so desperately need is basically drying up and <clears throat> if it's they're good people who are in a bad place and i'm not going to editorialize more than that if you are interested in helping them i'm going to recommend you can go through either the appalachian apparel company or you can go through apple shop dot org. either one of those will be um are going to give you ways to help out folks in the community that desperately need it. Our other shout out goes to Matt. Uh, That would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, guys, if I could pick any person to actually (laughs) rig a raffle to be my lethal lottery tag team partner, it would be Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is a segue. Brad, what did we sit through this week? So this is um, Starcade 91. What do they call it? Is it just Battle Bowl? Battle, Battle Bowl, Bowl, the Lethal, lethal Lottery. Lot. Yeah. The Lethal Lottery. Okay, okay. so this, this concept is essentially that um, Eric Bischoff, Missy Hyatt, and Magnum TA are at a raffle machine, so they randomly select um, tag team partners and matches and they're going to do 10 matches, and then the the 20 winners go into a double ring battle royal. Can I – I have thoughts about the show in general. But can, <laughs> can, can we at least start off uh, at the very beginning here? That's that's like – that is like the setup. Okay? Yeah, that's the and setup. And I can't believe that they wasted a Starcade on this. This is, I know. Starcade used to be like – It's Mania. Yes, Starcade was like from the beginning. It was like their mania, uh, and I mean the very first Starcade had a main of of Harley Race 
and Ric Flair like pretty much passing the torch. And it's like years later, you go back like you go uh, down the road like what nine years, uh, eight years, and it's like this shit, and it's just awful. But it is. Awful. I, and they do they come back and do this in '92 as well. Oh, I forgot about that. I think I purged that from my memory. Anyway, um, they, you're right. They did have uh, Eric Bischoff, Missy Hyatt, and NBA doing the raffle. Like they're pulling names out of like a fishbowl. Yeah. What? Why were there anyone there other than Eric Bischoff? Because Eric Bischoff didn't let any of the other people talk. And all he did was like he would pull it and he would make little stu- comments. Did, did Magnum TA even speak? I no, I listened. I, I and I don't think he even talked at all. He was just there for what, like gravitas? Like I yeah, and he, he I, didn't have I any interaction. Get, I think it was to get Magnum a, a pay per view payday, but and that's weird though because he had done some. He did. He was an announcer on TV for a couple of months in '89, but I mean this mm-hmm. is like late 91 i think like his name value had really diminished a lot just because you know he he hadn't been able to wrestle for five years at this point yeah right i think that he actually pete beyond like 1989 i feel like i remember him either doing commentary or being the host of one of like the like the ancillary wcw power hour or something yeah, something like that. I think I remember that. I don't recall like who he's paired with. It may have been, it may have been like Tony or probably something like else, but Gordon Sully or Lance maybe. Russell or something because they, uh, they had all those guys I don't, at that point. Yeah, I don't a hundred percent remember it. I know I just remember it existing and I kind of remember him, but I felt that he actually was like it was fine in that role. Uh, he was a little bland, like, but I mean he wasn't bad. No, he was a little bland, but yeah. I'd rather bland than like terrible or like overbearing. Yeah, that's that's fair. So um, I I I don't know if anybody found it. I really hope that one of you guys is able to dig it up. But whose idea was this lethal lottery thing? Like I I tried to look and I I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't either. Who was? it's put about a time where Dusty wasn't with the company, so I don't know that we can blame Dusty for this, even though Dusty had. <laughs> Although didn't Dusty come up with War Games? So it's like yeah, Dusty yeah. that that is something a and, feather in his cap. And Starcade, I think. This is kind of a this is kind of similar though. I wonder if this was kind of born out of like what they did at Starcade '89 with like the Iron Man stuff. Mm-hmm. And then having was this like in the, the? I was gonna say, was this in the Jim Hurd reign? This is the very end. Mm. Like, he's gone within, yeah. like, weeks of this. You know what? I'm just going to lay this at Jim Hurd's feet. Then. Oh, no, he's then gone. He's gone, like, he's gone, like, a week after this. There you go. <clears throat> Completely unsubstantiated. But uh, I'm going to say that this is what got Jim Hurd fired and pushed out. Uh, this, there, there, I'm going to blame it on this because, oh, my Lord. To steal, to steal a line from the commentators and in this <laughs> uh, this is a bone in someone's cap you're like oh, you to <laughs> someone's cap? no they're bone-headed. no yeah yep <clears throat> that that, I, that took me completely off guard yeah i um i don't know that I, I i i was talking to you guys earlier today and it's like this concept 
would have maybe worked uh, like a clash or Chad, you had the, the idea to maybe do these tag team matches like a little bit along on TV. Like, I think that would have been fine because then you could have just done like the regular Starcade pay-per-view and had just like the, the 20 men in the, in the actual, like the, the, pay, the, the uh, battle Royal. Yeah. But I hated the Battle Royal concept. Like the match – we'll talk about the match itself. But I hated the idea where it's like everyone starts in one ring and then you have to throw the person to the second ring. And then once everyone is then eliminated except for one person, uh, uh, the last person who is left standing in the first ring and the person who's left standing in the second ring now have to compete. Uh whoever throws each other over the top rope. I thought it was too convoluted. They've done that. I'm they, gonna... That that battle royal type has history with them because um at Great American Bash eighty nine they did it and the last two men were Sid and Dan Spivey who were tag team partners, so they just shook hands and split the the prize money. I actually um worked one of these very kind of matches. The two ring battle royal thing. Um, I was on a card that it was a three promotion card called the Wrestle War, <clears throat> and they put out a call. They said anybody in the area who has a valid license for the state can come and be a part of this. Except I was on the card itself, so I did get paid, and I was the only match on the card <clears throat> that was a uh, that was a non title match. Uh, if you remember. Alex Angel and I did this did this match and um, we did a pretty good job and then uh, big mess of battle royal so and it's, it's it's one of those things where if if you don't have a specific job to do you just kind of wander around until you figure out what you're supposed to do and if you watch the battle royal you see a lot of that. I think I found a battle royal with you in it on some random wrestlers um YouTube you actually page. did you did yes you knew um, who it was too uh the guy in the match yes i could i pointed him out to you yeah i i knew exactly which guy it was yes <clears throat> so but it, yeah i've been in one of those and it's is that where you just kind of uh, like i guess it's something if that's where, um, if that's like one of those things where there's too many guys in the ring, do you just find someone you know and be like, hey, let's just like go over here and pretend to do stuff until it slows down? Or you hang out around for a while until you get tired of being out of there and you're like, hey, man, dump me. <clears throat> you know, one of the two. I did a lot of that because um, I uh, <clears throat> was avoiding some people <laughs> in, in the the opening and i was just we're doing stuff and i'm keeping my eye over my shoulder and i'm like nope not not tangling not tang no here let's go over in the corner i'll choke you then you flip it around you choke me and yada 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 and we goofed around a little and then we went to the other ring and we were basically for lack of a better term we were just kind of goofing off over there until i just kind of got tired of it (laughs) and i had somebody throw me out i'm like yeah well fine whatever I have to say, um, Abby might be my MVP for this pay-per-view. He did a lot. He actually looked... He, he looked, like, for Abby, like, positively spelt. And he did have, like... He did 
really come off well as like just a crazed madman like he actually really conveyed that energy i know like that was like his gimmick but i did think it came off well and i did i did like the interplay that he had with uh like him coming out all excited and smiling like he was happy to see sting and just then attacking it was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) and here it comes we're gonna have a match. We're gonna. You, you see him smiling. It's like we're gonna have a match. We're gonna have. Well, the whole time he's like, I'm gonna hit Sting. I'm gonna hit Sting. I'm gonna hit Sting. And then he hits Sting. Also, based on um, based on the way he was hitting people, I want the like Buddy Lee Parker insult his mother mother or something. Because <laughs> oh, that thing was God. gimmick, but he was like <laughs> whacking him like in the face with it, like when he was on the yeah. ground. Well, I was watching that. Like, if you actually pay attention when he's like swinging the broomstick or whatever, he's like, it's, he's doing it in a way that the top of it is actually like hitting uh, the ground. So he's not actually making contact with Buddy Lee Parker's face, uh, but it looks visually the way it looks. It's like, you can't, you can't tell, like he's doing it quickly and he's doing it uh, deceptively enough that it looks like he is. And Buddy Lee Parker was just selling. Cause, but he- I actually thought, if he, do we want to go in sequential order about the matches? I yeah. actually thought that that segment with Buddy Lee Parker was high key hilarious. They were beating like, him like so funny. they were beating him like he owed them money. Oh, he just beat the hell out of him. Well, Mick beat him and up he, too. Yeah, and then I just <laughs> love the comedy. Like you don't get, you don't really get like comedy that good because like, Buddy Lee Parker was like whatever, but it's like he they had him beat down of him and then the dude sold it and he still like crawled to the ring yeah <laughs> slowly crawling to the ring that's the thing with mick and abby as a tag team is them they're it's a very interesting concept that i don't think has ever been done since and i don't even think wcw is getting it but they're buffoons but they're extremely violent and dangerous buffoons yeah okay I'm, I'm with you on that like it's a very interesting contrast that they do goofy shit but then they're like they're dangerous psychopaths in the process mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, let's go yeah sequ- it, it's fun to watch yeah so let's go sequentially <laughs> with this so our first match of the night is um let's see michael hayes and tracy smothers Verse uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Jimmy Garvin. And I just have to say, if I want to do an award show just so I can shit on Jimmy Garvin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> because I, I hate dude, dude, dude was washed by this point. Well, and he's he doesn't get it. Like he he even like the fans were super into like seeing him and Hayes tangle a bit, and he even managed to like screw that up. And I think even Hayes was a little annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. I just in general, um, I hated this match. Um, this this is supposed to be your big hot opener, and oh my god, I, I'm I'm watching this. Bagwell comes off like a goof. Well, Bagwell spends... Bagwell's obviously green here because he's fine yeah. until he has to go on offense and then he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. His offense is is just super basic. It's like, like wrestling school <laughs> offense. Yes, mm-hmm. it is exactly that. Yeah, hip toss, arm drag, going to the arm bar, and I'm like, oh god, that is uh, that's uh, that's like the most basic. And then 
Garvin turns around and does the exact same thing back to him. Uh, and I'm like, I'm watching this in the first part of the match. I'm just like, please do something. They spend so much time at the beginning of this match stalling. Mm-hmm. Just and dicking cra- around, not actually doing anything. The worst part about this show is they wasted such a hot crowd on this card. Yeah. And then we get in the – the Freebirds end up in there at the same time, and they just do some basic stuff and tag out. And then I wrote underneath that in my notes. It said, I hate this match. I wrote yeah. that again. And it, it seemed like Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone just got to a point with this match. Like, ah, whatever. I don't care. This is this is a microcosm of my problem with the Freebirds thus far, though, is generally Michael Hayes has been fine and entertaining enough. And Jimmy Garvin is just an albatross on anything he's involved with. Yeah. Yeah. Because Michael PSA has had like, he had enough charisma, like yeah. Uh, but no, like Jimmy Garvin, the the Jim Crack Promotions WCW version of the Freebirds. It's like you you should not just call yourself the Freebirds. Like you should call yourself something else because it's like it's just not. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um. One of the the only good things is like the good the theme song, but <laughs> I don't I don't think that they were like good. And this, even the 91, is like by this point, like I think he was like almost out of the business. But I mean, Jimmy Garvin was like washed. And it's oh, like, he's beyond washed. It's like, guys, you don't really understand your role here. It's like you're not there to actually get yourself over. Like you're at best like mid card tag team at this point. Mid best. So it's like enough. He's like I, a middle aged man, like that still trying. He's like the he's like the guy with like the the. He has like the the bald head with the ponytail, and he's like desperately trying to hold on to his youth. That's what like Jimmy Garvin is here. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garvin, any other time we've seen him from this time period, he is desperately trying to find a way to steal a spotlight and get himself over. Yeah, and it does not work in this match at all. Cause like, cause you know they're doing um, so they do this part where like it's gonna be the Freebirds tangle, and the crowd's kind of intrigued by it. But he kind of gets into these dueling struts with Hayes, and it doesn't work because Garvin doesn't have the same level of charisma. And even though Hayes is past his prime at this point, like Hayes still has kind of a um, a bit of an aura of coolness about him when he does stuff. So even if he's doing like hokey crap, like it still has some credibility. But when when Garvin does it, it just comes off as like <laughs> desperation. So Hayes does his strut, and it's kind of over-exaggerated up on his tiptoes with his hands out doing the big strut for it. And then it goes to Garvin to do his strut, and Garvin like tilts forward slightly and walks across the ring. That's the best way I can describe it. And I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah. I wanted out of this match like from almost the time the bell rang. And Tracy Smothers is barely in it, because why would you want the one awesome worker to... Mm-hmm. And the only redeeming parts of this match is Tracy Smothers being awesome. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It just, I was so glad when this match was yeah. over. Yeah. So Bagwell and Garvin win and move on to the Battle Bowl. So let's go to our let's go to our next match, which is Van Hammer and Big Josh versus Steve Austin and Rick Rude. So, um. The one thing I will say when they came out, I was so happy that Van Hammer didn't have a guitar. (laughs) 
You mean he didn't? You didn't want to see him hold it up above his head and point at it because he didn't know how to play it? Yes, exactly. And then my second thought about this is we got about a couple minutes of Rick Rude versus Big Josh, and it was about as awesome as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So, so my favorite spot of this whole match is. Um, Big Josh starts trying to punch Rick Rude in the abs and Rude just kind of yes. laughs at him and starts showing off and he does it again. He does it a couple more times and then he just runs Rick Rude over with a clothesline. Yeah, it was hilarious because it wasn't working because, of course, Rick Rude was known for having like washboard abs. So Big Josh was trying to, to do something with it, like he trying to attack the, the stomach and it wasn't working. Like Rude was like mocking him and so he just like went up top like hit him with the clothes. <laughs> that was a great, it started with the uh, big Josh trying to do his log roll thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I know what you're going for here, but this seems, uh, but he does that. And Rude's like, come on, come on, do nothing. And they, they go into that spot. You're just taught. That was so much fun. And I have to say WCW Rick Rude blows WWF Rick Rude out of the water. Like, no, not even close. WCW Rick Rude is far better. You're right. I, I wonder what the difference... Because he was. doesn't have to do the cartoon crap and he's not as filtered. Because he can be a little more adult in WCW. There it is. And, and I have he feels to say, a little more comfortable, too, I bet. Well, and... and um, The poodle hair, like, takes away some of his badassery. Yeah. Like when you do the shortcut, he just looks like he just looks like he just looks like a bad motherfucker with the shorter he hair. He does. <clears throat> he does. Yes. He, he you're right. He he the the curls uh, detract uh quite a bit. And I think Heyman is a better manager for him than Heenan was. Mhm. But I mean, yeah. like, I just they just have better chemistry. I mean, I think his best his best manager, though, was Percy Pringle. That uh, was uh, was that AWA or uh, that was world class. Okay. And well, but, I think I think they did. He did in Florida too. Okay. Just just as a an aside, we're not saying that Heenan Rude was a bad matchup. No, it's just that Heyman was better. Just a little better for for yeah. Rude stuff. Just, just to 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 put that out there. Um, so you know this match. What did I have here? I say it's remarkable how much better the entire match gets when Big Josh gets tagged in. Yes. <laughs> it just he's so it just fixes everything. It's just I know we've we've really gotten smacked in the face with a lot of Matt Bourne the last like four months, and he never disappoints. I've never no. been disappointed by a Matt Bourne performance that we've watched so far. He, he again, it was someone who was much, much better than he's given credit for. And it, it's sad that the doing stuff just didn't work out or his life didn't work out because he, yeah. he had his demons, of course. But it's like he, he was a good worker. He was a very, very solid worker. I'm not I talking would... about like he's Kenny Omega level of worker, but it's like he was solid. If he's... he was around today, like if, if you had – de-aged him where he was like in his prime in his late 30s uh mid to late 30s like and you put him in like AEW or something like that he could that dude could hang oh people would be people would be like have raging boners for him 
in the yeah. modern era. No, I would say I would say he's good touching on great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but he yeah, like I'd absolutely agree with that. He works his ass off here. Like the stuff with Rude's good. Um, stuff with Austin's good. Van Hammer really slows things down when he's in the ring. I will say he bumped decently in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll we'll give, give him, him that. that. Much. Yeah. So I would say this was okay. This wasn't. This is okay. It was okay. Yeah. And you know Austin and Rude have good chemistry working as a team. So. Yeah. But I was bummed sure. we didn't get we didn't get um we didn't get that sweet ass Austin music. For his intro. That was something about this show that jumped out at me was <clears throat> them not having entrances. Because the show was long enough already, um, the fact that they didn't have entrances really seemed to take away a lot. Like, I, I it's it's hard for me to describe, describe how, but it just didn't. There there was there was something missing in this. Yeah. And, um, just to add it on to another thing, list of things about the show I didn't like. And I do say, I, do, I will say in defense of the show, I really liked how when they were doing the announcements, you had like cameras in the, the face locker room and the heel locker room and you'd get their reactions. <clears throat> or you get like the guys coming back in that were dejected because they lost or whatever. Yeah. So, so I like that. I thought that was a nice touch. And I will say, I actually... um. I've hated Eric Bischoff on the first two shows, and he was fairly tolerable on this one. It was a pretty straightforward job. Yeah, I probably agree to disagree there. I did not like him in this. I'm not saying I liked him. I'm saying I didn't want to stab him with a knife on this one. (laughs) But um, so up next we have um, Dustin Rhodes and Richard Morton versus Larry Zabisco and El Gigante. Um, I might have to say we we said the whatever what was that stupid electric chair match from the Halloween oh Havoc. the Chamber of Horrors. Um, mm-hmm. this might supplant Chamber of Horrors as the best match I've ever seen El Gigante in. He wasn't even in the ring all that much. They used him really well though. They did. Cause he he was a good he was a good base for Dustin Rhodes to bounce off of. He's his mm-hmm. offense looked good, um, mm-hmm. and they didn't have him do too much, and like it gave it gave Larry a really good base to like work off of, because I liked I liked that they played in like that he didn't speak English as like a barrier, but they didn't make it like a parody or anything. Yeah, that's fair. It's funny that here in in what is this the last <clears throat> when these aired it was. It was this, and then Halloween Havoc was, what, two months before? Yeah. Um, these what were probably Elegante's best performances, and this was his last pay-per-view. Yeah, but, I mean, look at – but he's in there. He's in there with three – he's in there with three good workers, um, one of which is an elite worker, and two guys that have had touches of great – well, multiple touches of greatness throughout their career. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and you know it, the thing I liked is they had a good internal story, like you mentioned, with Elegante not speaking English and Zabisco's trying to give him marching orders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's a story that's contained in this match 
that's interesting. And so it's like, okay, all right, cool. This I, we I can run with this. I I like my I think my favorite part of this match is I don't remember what happened, but Richard Morton came in and he immediately ate shit because El Gigante just scooped him up and like tossed him on the ground. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, Richard Morton was like not really in this match at all. No. He he had like a spot or two, and then he was not. Yeah, he was. Yeah. It was it was mostly Dustin. Mm-hmm. But I did like the parts where Dustin and El Gigante were doing their thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they did a good job. Um, and this one was also pretty short. It, this didn't drag out very long. Yeah, it's amazing though. I wanted to say like, because this is I think our first good look at El Gigante like moving around in the ring. It's amazing how much mobility he lost over the course of like a year and a half. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's entirely true. Yeah. Um, so then we we're gonna go into the next match, which this one just baffled the shit out of me. So this one is <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page and Mike Graham versus Bill Kazemeyer and Houston Thunderlager. So I have no idea why. Well, one Mike Graham is on pay per view in uh, 1991, uh-huh. and I don't actually know why Diamond Dallas Page is either. I don't know. I mean, he was good in this. I'll give him that. But I just it's such a random he, pull because I don't think he, yeah, was, he like, knew really what his in. job was in this match. Yeah. And I did. What were you going to say, Matt? I I the Mike Graham thing confuses me because looking up the venue, it was in, in Norfolk, Virginia, at the Norfolk Scope. And because if it was in uh, if it was in like Florida, I would have been like, OK, like it's maybe like they're they're paying back uh mike graham because he was a big part of the he and his dad were a big part of the florida territory but again and like dustin dusty was gone at this point uh and dusty was a big star down in florida so like it would be something to like pay him back by having mike graham on this but it's also like what why like what what was the point like i think he was just the warm body for the light heavyweight division you didn't have other options. I mean, <laughs> they were scraping pretty low with some of the people they threw on this card. That's true, <laughs> but again, like Buddy V. Parker, like you, you did have, you did do something funny with him. Well, I, I think felt. Mike Graham had been in the initial tournament. I just think, um, I just think whoever was doing the hiring around then, they had so many old timers, like. I mean, I will say Mike Graham was good in like the 70s and early 80s, but that's kind of the thing is like he can. I think that's the hard thing when you talk about these because like you do shit on old guys, but it's like, no, it's just everyone has a sell by date. And um, he was just past his sell by date for this. Like, why is Mike Graham on a pay-per-view in 1991 when he hasn't been relevant for five or six years at this point? He didn't. He wasn't terrifically mobile here either. So no, he really didn't do much, honestly. <laughs> no. I will say that hey, I will, I, I'm going to say go one thing is I thought this was a much better outing from Bill Kazmaier. He still sucks, but at least his stuff <laughs> looked better. And I was impressed that he skinned the cat. That was decently impressive. Yeah. Yeah. The announcers, who, by the way, are Jim Ross and uh, Tony Schiavone, who actually, in my opinion, are a actual good commentary team, uh, 
they were talking they were like enamored by this match they like they thought they went on about how like oh bill casimir uh, and jushin thunder liger were like a good team and <laughs> like i don't know about that like that's, that's i mean let's let's hold your horses but... i mean i thought i thought where we talked about how kevin nash killed himself to try and make kazmaier look halfway decent ddp mm. did the same thing but i thought ddp was much more capable of like feeding him better than nash was because he yes. was more yeah. experienced and he was like he he was a better bumper so i think he did a much better job of, of doing i that. thought that this was this was a fine match like it wasn't like he didn't i didn't hate it it's too fucking long but though. it's also yeah oh, god yes. there was no reason why this match was 13 minutes long it's the longest match and... on the card that's not the main event it sure yeah. felt like it. And other matches uh, with more interesting workers like got like six minutes, five like minutes. The next, like the next match could have used another six minutes, in my opinion. The, yeah, the crowd... I'm sorry, Matt. Finish your thought. Uh, well, no, no. It, it kind of goes into Brad's point. Like, the next match, which we'll talk about in a minute, like, I actually would say was a good match. Like, it's probably outside of, like, the the main was probably the best match in the show. Yeah. So up next, we'll this, go to the, well, oh, go I've got a, I got a little more to throw. <clears throat> the crowd was honestly pretty dead in this, except for when Liger was in mm-hmm. and, and uh, Tony and Jim Ross are doing their, they did their dead level best to try and make something interesting out of everything else. It's, they were trying so hard. God bless them. Isn't it funny how but, open-minded WCW fans are that, they obviously don't know who Liger is, but he got over because he was doing cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they, I think they said he was the light heavyweight champion going into this. Might have he been. was. Yeah. Okay. So you know, but yeah, then we go into the next one. So this is the good match. This is probably the best match on the show. Mm. There's a couple of, yeah. of later ones that I think contend, but so this is. Terrence Taylor and the Z-Man versus Lex Luger and um, Arn Anderson. Now, what I really liked about this is Luger and Arn just kind of assumed that Terrence Taylor was going to be in the tank for them because he was also a heel. And then Taylor, like, shocks them because he goes all in on winning despite who his partner is. Oh, yeah. Because I like that. Arn just kind of ignores him on the outside and Taylor kind of taps him on the shoulder and like punches him and then they get him in the ring and they start doing that where, you know, Z-Man and Taylor are both like taking turns, like hitting him. Yeah. And I have to say, this is, this might be, it's not the best Terry Taylor performance I've ever seen, like ring work wise, but like character wise, like he did a fucking great job in this. This is actually, this is a good match um and i did think it's a good performance by terry taylor z-man's kind of almost like just there yeah like he didn't do a lot but it doesn't kind of doesn't matter like terry taylor did a really good job with this and i felt actually the luger and, and anderson had, like, they actually did a pretty good job yeah and, um and but again ter- ter- another great mm-hmm. luger performance yes yeah, yeah the, this re-watching well watching all this stuff in the, from 91 it's like really opened my eyes about Luger. Like, he was much better. I think part of the problem is that, like, because he was so built, sometimes uh, when he moves or throws a move, he looks a little stiff. Now, I, I, I wonder if that's just, like, the muscle mass. But 
he but he otherwise is a good worker like he he gets it he actually is selling really well like he has good psychology it's it's he actually is putting on good performances here mm-hmm. and this match was really fun and i i love that terrence taylor adopted the concept it's like no i want to win like i want to be in the battle bowl like uh battle royal and so he was basically playing a face here like yeah. and he just took it to luger and anderson and there was one really fun spot which again i like the this is why I liked like old school tag team work because uh, Terry Taylor like did a f- uh, what backflip over onto to Luger and Luger pounds him and Terry Taylor goes right back to, like trying to pull Luger down. He does it like three times. And it's only when he fi- he actually finally gets Luger down, but it's like, Luger is so close to his own ropes that he tags in Arn and then. Uh, Terry Taylor is still trying to get the pin because he doesn't realize that there's been a tag, and then Arn just comes up to him and like knees him in the back, and it's yeah. like it's a really fun little segment, and it's something that I really loved about like old school tag team wrestling where it's like you know there's that blind tag almost, mm-hmm. and then they use it against the uh, the opponent the opponent. But I thought this was clever. I thought it was really uh, they worked well as a team. Uh, and I thought that there was just like really solid work. Terry Taylor really put on his working boots here. Poor Z man. It might so. Oh yeah. So forgettable. <laughs> yeah. He is. I think that was on a recent show. That was uh, you know if your whole gimmick is that your last name starts with Z, you're not off to a great start. The only thing I remember about Z man <laughs> from this show is when they're announcing the next the next match, and he's just just. A, Dejectedly walking to the back of the locker room. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Z-Man, that's the only thing I'm going to remember about you for this. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, best match on the card. Yeah. Um, written in my notes right here. And now uh, we get to we get to what I think is the juiciest and the best part of the evening. So this is Cactus Jack and Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker versus Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> And Todd Champion. And now Abby has a bit of a problem with this and decides he's going to beat Buddy Lee Parker senseless with a broom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it, you keep thinking the beating's over and then Abby shows up to beat him some more. <laughs> he just stays on him. And so there so <clears throat> Foley's working Steamboat and Champion. You know, he's not doing great. And then he decides he's going to tag Buddy Lee Parker in finally, and then he just kind of just chucks him in the ring. Yeah. For more hilarious. <laughs> and then um, pretty much fully eats a Ricky Steamboat cross body block, and that's all she wrote. That is, yeah, that's pretty much it. But um, this was <laughs> this was hilarious. <laughs> He just Abby just beats the living snot out of him. Well, they did they did the classic form of comedy where you're like, okay, this beating's getting a little long in the tooth, and it's like, okay, it's finally done. And he beats him some more. It's like, okay, I'm back in because it's hilarious again. <laughs> it, it, they they turned it into a running gag very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I, I want to like I do want to call up Buddy Lee Parker though. He fucking ruined it because he started getting up before they called his name. Hmm. Yeah. So someone missed their cue there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, Cactus did a actually a pretty good job doing a two v one match for a lot of this. Um, it's it's 
it's some of the most consecutive minutes of seeing him on offense that I can remember. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so that'll take us into the next one, I guess. Yeah. So the comedy Which, continues because this is this one. I I actually wrote down that I thought this had the best in match story on the card. So this it is... was not the best match on the card, but it had the best stuff going on in it. So this is Sting and Abdullah the Butcher versus Bobby Eaton and um, Brian Pillman. What are you gonna say, Matt? Uh, yeah, I would. I would, That's probably right about the storyline. I did like the storyline they're they're trying to tell there. So this is um, a lot of fun with that. So Abby's very excited and he comes out all smiles and then proceeds to attack Sting with this broom. Mm-hmm. So Brian Pillman comes out to help him, and then Eaton kind of comes out and attacks everyone, which I thought Eaton was being a bit of a dumbass. He should have helped Pillman or just gone after Sting. I was like, come on, dude. Like, don't you want to win? It was Bobby Eaton. Yeah, and so Pillman kind of remembers this and won't tag, won't let Eaton tag out. Because there's a couple times where, like, Eaton goes to the tag and Pillman just, like, leans back. Which I thought was a good story, but this is pretty much the tale of they all hate each other and no one will cooperate. So Sting just has and to beat us. Abdullah stabs Sting in the throat with a pencil for a while. Yeah. <laughs> every every time Sting got near him, Abdullah just rear back and whack. There's another one. Yeah, this was this was a good. Abdullah was really good on this show, not for anything he did in the ring, just for being hilarious. It was, I think, his last pay-per-view appearance for WCW. He he stays around for a bit. I don't know if he does another pay-per-view, though. Who, Adam? Yeah. I don't think he does. He has... I only know this because I, um... This was the show, again, that, like, kind of got me into watching being a wrestling fan in general. But Beach Blast 92... Sting okay. had like a Falls Count Anywhere match with Cactus Jack. Yeah. And I do know that somewhere in that, like they they were like they were wrestling, not wrestling. They were like fighting, but they were fighting in like a stable. Oh. And all of a sudden, Abby like appeared and was attacking Sting. I don't uh, remember yeah. a stable in the Beast Beach Blast match. Uh, yeah, and like uh, he hit Cactus Jack with like a sh- shovel. Um, and that's how Sting, like, I think, won. I need to go back and find that one. I know that there was something like that in a bunkhouse brawl, but I don't remember that in the Beach Blast match. What well, would we'll do Beach so. Blast in a while? Yeah, oh, that does come up, doesn't it? Okay. So up next but yeah, fun. this is this is fun because everybody hates each other yeah. and does violence to each other. So up next is probably actually my favorite match on the card. Mm-hmm. So this is um this is what I like to call big meaty men throwing each other around while the night stalker sits on the apron and looks pretty. <laughs> That's and it wasn't even supposed to be the night stalker. You remember cuz it was supposed to be Scott Hall. Yeah. Sorry, Diamond Stud, who is as you pointed out uh, last show we of this series we did Brad He's he's got his gimmick figured. The only thing that that Razor Ramon did is put put a a Scarface skin on it, 
but you know he's he is he's full bore classic scott hall here and he's got his arm in a sling and so when they call the diamond studs name he just stands up and grabs night stalker and walks him out there it's weird and seeing like, brian clark and just like basic bitch trunks because <laughs> you're used to have him having the full singlet right and they, his stuff always w- had a lot of color to it and stuff yeah he's it just in like, just like white trunks like he's in the most basic the only thing that's not basic about his gear is it's white and not black which i don't understand why he had that if yeah, he was the night stalker because to me to me to me, when you say basic bitch wrestling gear, that is a black black trunks, black knee pads, black boots. That is basic bitch wrestling gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if that works great for some people, that's fine. But that's that's basic. Yeah. Can I um, can I offer a uh, a correction? Go for it. Uh, I just looked it up because after you said that, Chad, I just looked it up, and actually, Clash of the Champions. 19 January 21st 1992 okay uh that was a false count anywhere match between Cactus Jack and Van Hammer uh so this was like months before the match with Sting and that Uh. that apparently is the false count anywhere match where Abby like appears okay so you are correct in that this is this might be the last pay-per-view appearance for Abby uh, and I miss, match, I'm maybe. misremembering the match because the other match with Sting was also a Falls Count Anywhere match and did involve Cactus Jack. It's just that this this one that I'm thinking of with Abby uh, was actually him, uh, Cactus, beating Van Hammer. Thank God. And that's when Abby, like, appeared. Okay. Uh, so, it, so. so this may have been Abby's last pay-per-view match. For like, WCW, I believe. Yeah. Okay. But... Okay. All right. All right. We got that sorted. I was I was really sitting here wondering. I I, I was like, it's been a while since I saw Beach Blast. I didn't think, but cool. Yeah, we I got it sorted. Yeah. So this match is essentially um, Vader and Rick Steiner mauling each other, with uh, Mr. Hughes getting a little offense. And I have to say, if you didn't know any better, you might mistake Mr. Hughes for a competent wrestler in this match. He <laughs> <laughs> would. Because he actually does some nice bumps in his offense. His knees in the corner look like shit. And he did something else that was kind of weird and screwed up. But the other stuff he did looked good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He did fine. Um, But, you know, here we have we have these big these big Hossa guys flinging each other. And Rick Rick suplexed vader back like off the apron into the ring like he was nothing yeah there's he he suplexed vader from outside the ring into the ring and he he, at one point he kind of lost him uh more like when he was he didn't quite have him picked up yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, and he got he got like partially a little assist from the ropes it wasn't like a slingshot suplex of any sort but he did kind of use the ropes a little bit. But overall, it's like he was basically deadlifting Vader. Vader. Vader shifted. Was always, Vader helped that, him. Vader helped save himself because when he started to lose it, Vader shifted his weight forward, which mm-hmm. got his momentum going in the right way for Rick to save it too. Yeah. yeah. But overall, though, it's like 
Rick was just a beast. Just a beast. Like, yeah, Vader's not a small man, and for him to like, even even with assistance, uh, even with help from Vader, it's like that's that's a big thing to be suplexing that dude back into the ring. Yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. say I'm gonna say say the rumor that the Steiners duct tape Vader to a wall is true. After seeing this, <laughs> I you know what I can believe it. They're just I, I could believe it. They're just a f- couple of cavemen. <laughs> they're just huge. Because mm. even even to go forward, like I know Brad Armstrong was bumping big, but Scott was just chucking him around like he was nothing. Mm-hmm. So, um. The other thing about the Steiners, uh, from from the time I I met them, is they're not super tall, but they're so strong that that low center of gravity really helps them out with it. You know, mm-hmm. really lets you get up underneath the people for moving them around. So yeah, and they're not. That's the one thing I got mad at Jim Ross for on an old show. Is he talked about Rick Steiner's GPA on a show, and I'm like, dude, you're you're ruining his gimmick. <laughs> you ruined it. Cause he's like, he had a three point eight. Like, no. Like, you can't tell people he's actually smart. Like, that ruins the gimmick. He's supposed to be, like, a dumbass. That's the... You Einsteiners needed DiBiase to read the menu moment. Yes, he's supposed to be some dumbass that looks like the 90s threw up on him. (laughs) I can't even put, like... Like, because that was always something I liked about Rick when he was doing that, is his boots never matched. Yeah, that's true. They, they, They were always off. Well, Scott's were too. Yeah, but, but Rick's uh, were always kind of on a little, like screwed up. Like he couldn't put his boots on properly. Like there was a lot of attention to detail to his, to his character. Yeah, and you know he just had the great, um, and you put it in there, and then he's 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 a goof, but as it turns out, he's really good at wrestling. <laughs> when I always figured, I, I've never been in a wrestling ring, but I figured to bite the ropes like he did probably hurts. Because hmm. I it imagine depends on how hard you bought him, I guess. But this was—I thought this was this was too short, but I thought this was really entertaining. Yeah, I'd say it was entertaining. And um, it, it was, and I this is so this middle part of the show. I think this show sucked, but I liked how this middle this middle part of the show. Like I thought it was really mind numbing up until up until the Cactus Jack and Abby stuff, and then this match, like. This is something that modern wrestling should learn from, even though this show sucks, is I was like totally out. And then they changed the tempo up, went with a little comedy and then went with like a bomb fest. And I was Mm -hmm. actually interested because things were different and there was variety. Even Luger and Anderson versus uh, Terrence Taylor and Z-Man being really good. It you're still kind of coming out of this funk of like, oh. But they shift gears so. Oh, okay, okay. What's going on? And it it, it kind of snaps you back around. But um, that that's what that's I mean that's the philosophy behind the three ring circus ideas. You know we do the different stuff so you don't see the same thing over and over again and different things appeal to different people. Yeah. Like if I were to if I sit down and watch wrestling, my wife is interested in seeing. Uh, you know, the athletic cruiser types do cool high flying stuff. That's what that's what she likes to watch. That's fine. That's what she likes. But, you know, she's not as interested in 
she would not be as interested in, you know, Big Van Vader and Rick Steiner throwing each other around. Yeah. And, and that's fine. And, like, WWE got really, really bad about this. Everything looked the freaking same. They still do that. Because so. that's the thing. Like, when I would go to Ring of Honor shows, I typically like yeah. the shows. But when you're going to a show that lasts four hours and it's the start of our like you're three and a half hours in, like, I don't care if you guys want to have a four star match. Like, I've been sitting there for three and a half hours. Like, there better be plunder or someone better be trying to, like, shove someone's thumb up someone's ass for comedy because, like, <laughs> you, you need to do something to, like, reignite my interest. Yeah. Because I need to see something different. Like, you need to you need to you need to change something like because because i've gone to shows and i've been like you get to like the end and you're like wow you just did that dive i have seen you someone do a dive to that exact same spot eight times tonight like can you can yeah, you do yeah. something else yeah yeah it's like i oh i don't care so um that'll take us into the net well who won that one uh, Vader uh, and Hughes, because Vader and Hughes, Night Stalker made his first appearance in the match, and they did this thing where like Rick and Mr. Hughes were going at it, and then Vader just like squished Night Stalker. Oh, like, that's right. And yeah. Him. And Night Stalker was like a total not entity. Yeah. Because like, it was a uh, it was a, a blind tag. Oh yeah. yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I did um, like that the ref was competent though. It cost rick steiner the match but he did like not let that nonsense happen yeah yeah <clears throat> all right uh next match we had scott steiner and firebreaker chip for versus johnny b bad and arachnaman which this match was pretty good except firebreaker chip was just a total total out of place shouldn't have been in this match mm-hmm He's bad. Yeah. Yeah. He literally went for a a top rope cross body block and almost landed on his head. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. God. I don't. I'm so baffled. Sometimes you've got such good workers on your card, but we've got to make Firebreaker Chip a thing. Yeah. For uh, God's sake, you've got Brad Armstrong wearing a full body suit that gets you sued yeah. by Marvel Comics. Yeah. But we got to make Firebreaker Chip a thing. Uh, I know. The show exhausts me. <laughs> I will say you could really see from from Halloween Havoc, you can actually really see Johnny B. Bad's improvement as a worker. Yes. And I would have actually not the fantasy book, but I would have, I would have had it been Scott Steiner and Johnny versus a Chip and Arachnaman. I I only assumed that they wanted to have like just time in the in the battle royal for for Champion and Chip to like work together. Yeah. I I, I believe you're right about that, but. He, I got to I got to feel bad for Brad Armstrong is like, hey, we've got a gimmick for you. He's like, great. I can get some TV time. I'm like, yeah, we're going to put you in a full body suit and uh, you're going to be a Spider-Man ripoff. He's like, oh, this isn't going to last long, is it? Well, he came off of Bad Street into this. So he hasn't. Yeah, his face hasn't been seen in a while. I would have just I would have just put Firebreaker Chip with Steamboat and just put Todd Champion in here. 
because Todd Champion was mm-hmm. far better than Chip. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, this match, my my note about this match was that the, really this match was about Scott Steiner and Johnny B. Bad. That's that's what the story of the match was because everything else was. And and this was no offense to Brad Armstrong. Everything else was basically filler. Yeah. Until we got the two of them in there at the same time. Yeah. And I thought, it's like, well, like I said, Johnny B. Bad seems to be figuring his offense out, and his presence yeah. is a little better. Um, it's really interesting to see him improve. And like you you said it, it's a lot of improvement in a really short time. I mean, he's doing houses and stuff, so he's probably since we saw him. Since we saw him in October, he's probably wrestled, you know, 20 times. Mm-hmm. So that that would probably help. But this was okay. Yeah, it was it, fine. It was fine. It, it didn't need to be like 11 minutes long. No. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, no, it didn't. I The only thing, the, the small detail I took away from this was Brad Armstrong was really, really nimble and would have been really capable if he had had much to do here. Um, but, you know, he's he's Dollar Tree Spider-Man here, so never mind. Yeah. That's being generous. <laughs> this the, Even recounting this show is just sapping my energy it it just drained me man it was mind-numbing this is like mania four levels bad and like probably bottom five shows we've reviewed on this podcast and you wouldn't think it from from like listing some of the talent that's on this card you'd be like no it can't be that bad but somehow it's because there's too many matches the matches are too long yeah. And they're too yeah. samey. Mm-hmm. And there's no, You're like... You're absolutely right. And this is the other thing they might have said at once, but I don't even know what they got for winning the Battle Bowl. I think... I, I don't remember them saying anything, but I think this was Sting's springboard into the world title match. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, I don't... I don't... They didn't really, like... There were no stakes. That's the problem. They keep saying... Well, they get to go in the Battle Bowl. Like, well, what do they get? Do they get money? Do they get a title shot? Like, what do they get? Battle Bowl didn't mean anything the same way King of the Ring didn't mean anything. Unless it did. Yeah, but, like, you just say, well, they, they want to get into the Battle Bowl for $50,000. They want to get in the Battle Bowl for a title shot. Like, that's that's not hard. No, it's not, but... And that at least makes you go, oh, okay, like, I understand what they're doing, but it's just like, well, they want to be in the Battle Bowl. Why the fuck do they want to be in the Battle Bowl? What were you going to say, Matt? I felt... I could be, like, misremembering this. Or maybe I'm just thinking, like, 92, maybe even 93, because I guess they did this in 93, too. But I feel it was almost like, you know, AEW has had, uh, like, a, a Battle Royal type of... Uh, winner and mjf is like that same person like two, twice in a row and you got like a ring mm-hmm. like i felt that you you won like a ring maybe even like you know kayfabe you won in cash or something because there was a didn't ddp win something like this and it was like he got the battle bull ring and he yes. like yeah you are you are 100 percent correct 
Yeah, I, all I remember it is that they used it as a talking point for DDP. That's that is all I remember from it. But yeah, you're right. He did. Okay. Wow. This this match has done a number on all of us. I think um, this show is just ponderous. I believe. Um, I believe the word I looked up. I went with um, onerous. <laughs> but. Eh. I'm just thinking of there, um, I'm just thinking of the Casey Kasem's outtakes. Like it's ponderous. <laughs> I just tell you, right, you come out of those up tempo records. They're gonna talk about a, a, an effing dog die. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that. Oh why do I have? God. Why why am I coming into a upbeat tempo after a goddamn death dedication? <laughs> want someone around here to use their effing brain and yeah oh gosh to hear casey Kasem's voice doing that that meltdown is such a a whiplash oh thank you for doing that i needed that little i needed that to kind of bring me the, back up those in the orson wells ones are my favorite Orson Welles is probably a little better just because like he has that touch of sophistication when he's saying everything Wow, I did it right. Yeah, and he's such an argument of like, this is under protest beef burgers. Under protest. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. Um. One one more, and then we get to the battle bowl. Yeah. So this is Ron Simmons and Thomas Rich versus uh, Steve Armstrong and Pia News. This crowd was nuts for Ron Simmons. Yes. You know, when people like, when, when people have – the more we've watched this stuff, the guys that have kind of like – in their like, – Nick Foley is one of them that kind of downplayed Ron Simmons getting the world title. Like, we've been watching this stuff, and I'm like, no. Like, I get why they gave him the world title. It, it made perfect sense. And if anything, I, I would make the argument that they should have done more with Ron Simmons because – they gave him the world title, and they kind of like did nothing with him. Yep. And then he bounced to uh, the WWF, uh, and they didn't really do anything with him either. Like they, I guess they, they they they, they gave him the stupid gimmick right out the gate. Then they had something with the whole like nation of domination. And it seemed like okay, like he's going to be like a main event heel, and then they kind of like fell down the job too. And then he just became like a mid card, almost like comedy tag team with uh, with with the. Uh, Bradshaw. I yeah. think the APA was gotten more. I think the APA was a good gig for him though because you just um you don't really have a match. Yeah, you just go to Boston and the... beat up the same guys in the same bar annually. Yeah. But still, former world champion Ron Simmons is now one half of the acolytes in the Ministry of Darkness. And you know, he's just like can't believe I'm doing this now. That, um, that was the last um, great segment in WWE history for me was um, Raw 1000 where they're having the big poker game and they're just playing and this huge like wad of money just hits the table and it's Ted DiBiase's like deal me in. Yeah. And it's just like the, uh, the look on everyone's face when that like huge. I mean, it's it's a fucking absurdly like huge amount like bills like hit the table <laughs> and they're all like looking up like what the hell? Yep. 
Didn't he uh-huh. Slater win it all too? Or no, did he or did he get busted like totally? I don't know. I hope he did. He's got kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's my other um, favorite one. It's it's one of my Luke favorite moments ever is when they were doing the him and Rhino thing. And they're yeah. like at the house and he's talking and Rhino has these crackers and he's like using cheese whiz and he's putting like frowny faces on the crackers as he's eating them. Um, this it's, it's fascinating by the way, from what I remember of Mick's book, he didn't downplay Simmons, but you know, he talked about how big of a deal it was when he won the title, but I don't think he talked about Simmons much after that. So no, whatever. Yeah. I think we're going to – I think, Brad, are we going to, like, uh, review the whole Ron Simmons title win? Yeah, Vader? we will when we get there. Yeah. Uh, I had seen that match in, like, years, and I kind of do want to watch it again. I just remember, like, I was excited because I was literally, like, maybe, like, a couple of months, just a few months into being, like, a, a wrestling fan mm-hmm. when that happened. But so it was exciting, like a, a new guy, a guy who had never won it, actually won. It. And I, I again, I bought into it. back then. It's like I bought into like Ron Simmons. He seemed like a big deal to me. He was interesting. He was a change of, of uh, pace with the the main event scene. But that I do remember, like that uh, that title win didn't happen. I believe it happened in Baltimore, right? Yeah, the crowd loses their mind. Yes, Baltimore is a predominantly. Uh, it used to be historically, it's predominantly African American city. So yeah. when you have like the first like WCW like African American champion, like that crowd went insane to the point where there's like a, a kid who's like teenager, and he visibly starts crying. And it's like it's it's there's an old lady crying like, in that crowd too. Yeah, it's it's actually like kind of like low key beautiful. Mm-hmm. But he, t- and, if you if you if you listen to shoot interviews with him, he talks about he like you can tell how much it like still means to him that he got to like have that moment. Yeah. Uh, dude, he was totally over enough for it. It was huge. Like in the crowd watching this match, they do not care unless Simmons is in. It. They're chanting, "We want Ron" when he's not. I in know. I know. Uh, like, I, oh, my God. Now, the, there's one touch I really loved in this match is he and Pia News get in the ring and they shake hands. Yeah. Because they had tagged they in had, the past. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I like that. <clears throat> but, yeah, um, the, the crowd is very adamant that Ronson stays in. And it's just like, wow, like he is no, he's like massively over in this. Yeah. He's and like it, he's like pushing on Sting and like the top guys like level over oh yeah he's he is absolutely number two over face on the card and it's sting and simmons and then there's a huge gap between them and everybody else just massive yep um and ron simmons gets the win with the spine buster yep so that that is a that is a reference strictly for matt and brad Mm. all right so and that now, takes us to the Battle Bowl. Yeah, so um, this was really boring. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, now, uh, the the thought, end run was, was good. I thought it was fine. Like, it, it wasn't the best Battle Royale I've ever seen. It's not the worst. 
but it was just kind of there. Sting and Rude yeah. was the best moment where they just start going at it until they kind of fall into the other ring. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's there's too many people. It's too crowded. And they take too long to start getting people in the second ring. Yes, they do. And they have this thing where they keep throwing people out the wrong side. And I can't figure out if it's because it's supposed to be like, oh, no, this looks like it hurts more. Or it's like, oh, right, other side. And then they go back and they just do the same side again. And I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? What? What's going on here? It felt like um, Tommy Rich was just kind of like, I'm bored. Like, toss me in the other ring, guys. Yeah. He, well, he got over there and got to take a breather. Yeah. And well, I like how they, they pointed over there. I like how they pointed out Ross and um, Shivani were like, you know, it's actually not bad to be the first guy in the second ring because you get a rest. Yeah. Dude, Tony and Jim Ross worked so hard to make chicken salad out of this this whole thing. And it, like if it had been anybody else on commentary, I, I'm I don't know. It might have pushed me to the point where I messaged you guys. I'm like, look, I got this far along and I I, I don't know if I could. Could not. you imagine Michael Cole and Corey Graves calling this match? I would want to kill them. <laughs> you don't want vintage Thomas Rich oh, as the call or something? It's wildfire time. Oh man, I'm so thankful for Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. That's yeah. that's so we they you know there's this whole thing and they we get down. I don't know. Did you guys have anything you wanted to say before we got down to kind of towards the end no, of because it? Because I I only remember the the sting and the sting and rude brawl, and then Rich going into the other ring because there were too many fucking people in the ring to really know what was going on at any given time. And then the end run I thought was pretty good. By the way, if you ever want to see what a a rookie absolutely lost in a ring looks like, watch Bagwell in this match because he is turning and looking around desperately for something to do, <laughs> and he can't figure it out. And look, it's not his fault, okay? I'm not blaming him. It's just battle royals, it gets to – until you've done them and kind of figured it out yourself – you kind of wander around, you're like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed – until – unless someone clues you in and you're out there in the middle of it and until you've done it a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I got this. You just grab somebody and start – he's wandering around looking for somebody to, to do stuff with, and everybody else is already doing stuff. And so he's kind of wandering in a circle like, hey, guys, can I do some wrestling? And it <laughs> – you know, what do you do in that case? You just jump in with some other people. Just get in there. And they're like, oh, they're trying to push them over. I'm going to go help you try and push them over. Now they go from there. But. There was a clever little bit of detail to this match, though. That I okay. Liked. There's actually, this show did do a good job of, like, planting seeds and stuff. So, um, and you don't see this a lot. They, they, they sneakily switched feuds up in this match. So, um, Steamboat eliminates... Rick Rude and Rick Rude pulls Steamboat out after him, which. Yeah. So so what they did here is they essentially transitioned from Rude versus Sting to Steamboat versus Rude and Sting versus Luger. And they did yeah. it in a really clever and organic way. 
because yes. now now Steamboat is pissed off at Rude because he just cost him. But then this turns into Sting and Luger do the end run until Sting eliminates him. And now Sting has one up on Luger so he can start chasing him for the world title. And it was a yeah. very well done transition of feuds. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it That was very smooth. And I, I got to appreciate that. Um. We got down to the final four, like you said, Sting, Steamboat, uh, Rude, and Austin, and then Luger was in the other ring. And we get those uh, eliminations. We get Sting and Luger back. And so you've got this story. Luger's had it, had the rest. He's the champ. He's already – and then Sting is over here, and he's he's been waltzed across Texas, Daddy, but he's coming back for his revenge. And, you know, uncorks on Luger and goes to town on him, and they have some back and forth, and – you know, it's it, we're getting some life and the crowd's into it, and it feels good. We came a long way to get here, though. I was I I have to say I have to hand it to the crowd. They they wanted to like this show and they were excited and they 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 gutted this out and stayed hotter than they mm-hmm. should have till the end. Yeah. 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 And. <laughs> They did. They were really, they were really hyped up for it. It was a pretty full building too. It looked, it looked like there were a lot of people there. Wikipedia says they had nine thousand. Nine thousand, they said. That's a pretty good crowd. But still, the 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 road we have to walk to get to this point is just not good. Oh gosh, it's it's exhausting. That's that for me, that is that is my takeaway from the like for years. I'd heard people talking about this. Oh, my gosh, it's so whatever. And I'm like, okay, come on. So many critics that I've come across are so hyperbolic with how they treat, you know, the bad and the good and that sort of stuff. And anything that's not great is bad. And it's like, it's fine. Don't worry. If it's fine, it's fine. And that's not a problem. But. I gotta say, I'm 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 closer to their side on this. This was not good. This this was exhausting to sit through. It was. I had to. I I, I couldn't put more than an hour in at a time on this because your brain would just start turning off. Yeah, that was my problem. Is I'm watching it and I'm just like, because oh, you can't. Them all being tag matches is also what made it hard. I like tag wrestling, but even with that, it's still all makeshift teams, you know. It's some of them badly booked in terms of like who they were. Just to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there were some teams you could see they put a lot of thought into, and other ones where they were just like, "Well, we don't have anything for these two to do." So just, and there was too much. Because they had to use forty guys, there was there was too much that shouldn't have been on pay per view. Like Yeah. I'll take back I know I, I was kinda gonna shit on Buddy Lee Parker when I saw him on the card, but then he redeemed himself uh pretty well. But like Night Stalker, I, um Yeah S- Steve Armstrong, PN News, yeah, Rackman, those guys should not have been on a pay per view. I mean, arguably, people like Thomas Rich should not have been, because he was like... Yeah. 
but he, he, I actually thought he did a fine job in in his match. He's yeah. been low key pretty decent the two times we've seen him so far. Yeah. yeah, he's been all right. We could have had we could have had a bunch of singles matches that could have been. Well, no, we couldn't have done that because then the show would have been even longer. Yeah, I would have I would have built this up over the TV to get here. And then you have the Battle Bowl, and then you have something else happening. Well, what I would have done, what I would have done is just have the Battle Bowl on the pay-per-view. But I would have done the makeshift teams, but I would have done a double elimination tournament probably for about six weeks before this so that um, you can get all that nonsense on TV across, like, all the shows. But it also lets people actually get a feel for the teams instead of it being one and done. So mm. then you can like you can mix some things in like how does um Lex Luger and Arn Anderson work across a couple of matches how um how are Dustin and Richard Morton gonna get along? They even referenced um they even referenced that on commentary they're like ah some people might find someone they tag with they work really well with and something might go from there and it's like well yeah I, that's a great thought didn't happen but it's a great thought yeah. Oh God, it's just this was tiring. <laughs> yeah. So if if you're following along, we're not doing the 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 dome show that has some WCW guys on it, um, the Super Show. I looked at Shiny. it and it's just not. There's not enough like crossover to really justify it. That does have the Sting and Great Muda versus Steiner's match. That's pretty famous. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I haven't, I don't know that I've seen uh, Super Show 2. I probably would like to watch that. That also has Lex that... Luger versus Masahiro Chono, um, Big Van Vader versus. Um, Elegante. Yeah, Shinya Hashimoto versus Bill Kazmaier. Um, the Enforcers versus Ohara and Shiro Koshinaka. Um, hmm. Yeah. Dusty. Dusty? Wow, Dusty teamed up with Dustin against Masa Saito and Ken Duk. Oh, I did. Oh yeah, he did. Huh. Wow. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's a six-man tag with the uh, New Japan Juniors that included Liger. Ooh, super strong machine. Oh, was that Junji Harada? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Inoki in a match against Hiroshi Hase. You said Yoshihiro Yamamoto. Yeah, Ricky Choshu uh, in a match against Tatsumi Fujinami. There's a lot of stuff on here that's probably pretty good. Yeah. You got like Tony Hall versus Scott Norton. That's probably not good. Poor Scott Norton had to do the job there. Yeah. yeah. I still, I Scott Norton still has a soft spot in my heart. Um, yeah, for for being a big bad some bitch. <laughs> are we gonna do um, are we gonna do super roll? Yeah, uh, we already reviewed that, so we'll rerun that over the Christmas break. Okay, bring that one back. Did and, we? Yeah, that's like we did that. Oh, we did that. I think we did in 2019, maybe, or early COVID lockdowns. 
I have like no memory of that. That's bad. Was it a uh, was that a request or we just kind of grabbed for something? We were just kind of doing random stuff. Let me look. Okay. Um. It's been a long time ago. I'd say that was in the first or second year. I mean, we've done almost 240 episodes, so I think we can. <laughs> I kind of blur together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's stuff I thought we did like a couple months ago and realized it was like eight months ago. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> right. Let's see. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Because the problem is like once you pass like episode 100, it's just like all bets are off. Um, it all bleeds together. Like episode 120 might as well be episode like 230. Yeah. Let's see. Super Brawl, Super Brawl. <clears throat> so I think it was the first WCW we did. Oh, it's way older than I thought. Okay, let's go. Wow. Oh, okay. Uh, March 6, 2019, episode 43. Yeah, so that's way, way early. Yeah, that's pretty far I back there. I need to listen to this again because I don't know that I appreciated it uh, like I maybe would now because I – I almost want to rewatch some of this to watch like the Sting and Luger match. We gave um we gave it a really highly, pra- I think it was pretty highly praised by us at the time. Yeah, this is really this apparently that was apparently Luger's final appearance in WCW, and I it's kind of mind blowing to me because it's like you would not know that he's like basically on the outs with WCW and like, it's going to be like leading the promotion because he just put in strong work throughout mm-hmm. 91, just like strong work. Yeah. Uh, I've got it here. It's the, um, yeah, this was Luger's last one. Cause he went to go join the WBF. Mm. But so one thing in watching this that I, in, in hindsight, we may not have been that great about it. Uh, probably didn't give, Oh, it was a dark match, so it wouldn't have shown up. The you had uh, Big Josh versus DDP, but that was a dark match. So uh, I was gonna say we may not have given Matt Bourne the credit there, but uh, that wouldn't have been on the telecast. This is like so. a five match show too. Uh, eight, I think. No, I'm saying there's like five legit great matches on this show. There's oh, there's Lager, Pillman, uh, Wyndham and Rhodes versus Austin and Zabisco. Anderson and Eaton versus the Steiners, Rude versus Steamboat, and Sting versus Luger. And I think Sting versus Luger is the weakest of that batch, too. And I think we were, like, mm-hmm. a little down on it because we were like, well, it was good, but not as good as everything else. And this yeah. show also features mm-hmm. the debut of Jesse the Body Ventura. Okay. All right. Because I remember us talking about look- how they smartly debuted him in like in, like, Wisconsin, which is around, like, where he's from. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, from seeing here, this show had Van Hammer and Z-Man versus Richard Morton and Vinny Vegas, and the Vinny Vegas thing is what stood out to me, because that, that was the refresher for me of Nash's first gimmick. Yeah. So. All right, well. Final thoughts, uh, I would say just avoid this show. It's bad. Yeah, I you can't know. even say mild thumbs down. This is just straight up thumbs down. This is probably, like I said, bottom five for shows we've reviewed. 
it, it's not even entertainingly bad. No. It's not good. And I, I, I don't feel like there's anything to recommend because sometimes it's like you know you it's not really a good show or a good pay-per-view or anything like that but you be like well these two matches were like pretty decent we kind of did that with some of the last ones it's like uh you know this show off uh this 91 show is decent for like the luger uh saran simmons match like from halloween havoc like yeah. it's that match is good. Like, watch yeah. that match. It's like, no, there's nothing on here I can really, like, recommend. No. And even some of the stuff we talked about was only okay because of context. Yeah. The, the Battle Royal, like, isn't good enough, really, for you to, like, go out your way to watch. No. And I did think that the Luger-Anderson uh, tag was good. I'll even go as far as to say it's good, but it's not, like, so good that it's like, oh, track it down. It's like, no, it was good, but, I mean... I hate that that's modern day stuff kind of gets like overinflated uh, even by Meltzer, but it's like, you can see a match that is as good or better on like any weekly, like raw or SmackDown or dynamite. All right. So it's not really worth your time. Yeah. It's not really worth one movie. Not impact. <laughs> it's yeah. not really worth going out of your way to watch. No, you could, so. you could go to, you could go to some barn and like the podunkest of places and see a match as good as this in front of like two people, like mm-hmm. where the wrestlers are getting paid in moonshine. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's hey, I resemble that. <laughs> Sorry, bad but, joke. but it's just, it's, it's a, it's good. And it's the best match on the show, but I would say it's nothing special. It's nothing like you need to see. It's not like it's going to change your life or anything. Yeah, it, it's not worth waiting through everything else to get to it. No. So, like, it, it generously, it's like a three star match, and who, who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah, with with no consequences. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that'll about wrap us up for this one. Um. Everybody out there, thank you for joining. If you made it this far, you know what? Kudos. Uh, you deserve to take your Larry Zabisco kudos after after making it this far on this episode. Because as hard as this was to watch, I'm sure it wasn't the easiest listen to. No, this was. This was. This. I I thought Blackjack Brawl was an easier watch than this. He, because Blackjack Brawl had stuff that was so bad you could get wound up and shout about it, or I could, wound up and shout about it, whereas with this, it's just, you're just like, Ugh. Yeah. So. All right. Well, in which case, thank you for joining us. Um, we would love to hear from you on social media, uh, and if you have any requests, send them our way. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>